Welcome to Get With IT, a podcast by IT Ops Times. The host today is Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of IT Ops Times. Yes, hello again, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening with us. Uh, as you know, the holidays are quickly approaching, and that can only mean one thing. Shopping! But organizations stuck on legacy tech will feel the wrath of their customers and hurt their brands if they can't meet the demand. So with me to talk about this today is Spencer Kimball. He's CEO of Pleasure Cockroach Labs. Thank you for having me, David. Uh, welcome, Appreciate Spencer. So, so let me just start with this, and I'm curious to know, uh, why are so many businesses building applications uh, based on 80s patterns and technology? Uh, haven't we passed that already by now? Certainly past the 80s, but uh, the way that systems were architected in the 80s persists. And that's not that surprising because... Uh, The things that rose to prominence in the 80s, for example, Oracle's flagship database uh, has been consistently improved. And yet the underlying architecture that made sense when it was first created persists. And that's true uh, across a lot of different areas. I mean, and even older technology is mainframes. And those definitely still exist uh, almost everywhere uh, where there's a super high value mission critical use case. Although those things are starting to change. And I think one of the greatest agents for change and opportunities is the is the rise of the cloud and the adoption of it sure yeah um now so uh do you think that the availability of the cloud and perhaps even moving into multi-cloud uh can help organizations when they get to uh you know looking at what we can do if a black swan event kind of happens so uh, maybe you can talk a little about that yeah there's there's so many facets of the cloud experience and what's available that can help address some of these problems that, you know, honestly have bedeviled businesses for as long as there have been products, uh, certainly digital products and services. I think the biggest benefit of the cloud is that, you know, the major cloud vendors, at least, and many besides, have almost bottomless resources when you're looking at it from the perspective of a single use case. Hmm. So you you know, that was never true before the cloud. In fact, there was a, quite a bit of inflexibility and a lot of friction if you wanted to increase the size of a service. And there's different, there's different um, aspects to that. And one is just, can you get more machines? In the old world, you actually had to buy the machines. They had to get delivered. Someone had to install them in your data center or co-location facility. All the networking would have to be set up. Uh, and then you would potentially have a a difficult migration moving to the uh, the, the new larger hardware. Uh, and, and typically, certainly in those days, uh, if you had a database, it was just on one machine. And if you needed the database to get bigger than it could get, you needed to do that migration to a bigger machine. And there was often a, a limit to how big that, that single machine could get. The world's very different now. Uh, so in the cloud, if you need to get additional resources, um, and this is not even the most... Uh, impressive new thing you can do in the cloud, but this is the common way of using the cloud. If you want more resources, you simply simply request them and they're av- available almost instantaneously, like within seconds. And if you have a modern software stack that you've built on, uh, the entire system that's serving your customers can utilize that additional capacity. So it might be your front-end servers that have application logic on them that are, for example, processing your shopping cart or, or, you know, for a Black Friday type event. You can add resources and spin up more of those front ends 
uh, and, and handle twice as much traffic, 10 times as much traffic, right? It's just a matter of, are you going to pay for this? Are you going to do it, let's say, the night in advance of a big sale event that's coming up? These are all things that many companies do today. Also, on the topic of databases, which is you know, certainly my perspective, there are architectures now that don't rely on a single machine getting bigger. Even today versus the 80s, machines can get bigger, but they still have a, you know, an absolute limit, even when you're talking about supercomputers. And retailers today, certainly a retailer like Amazon kind of blows everything out of the water. Uh, but many, you know, just pick a, pick a, a Home Depot or uh, Walmart or, or uh, Best Buy. These, these companies all have um, tremendous data requirements that would scale beyond uh, most uh, feasible sort of single node architectures. And databases have uh, innovated and we're not the first to do it, uh, but many databases in, in today's world are very concerned with how do we actually create an architecture design for the underlying database that allows us not to just be able to scale up with one node, but to use many nodes, as many as we need, could be a hundred. And these are all very powerful nodes in their own right, but now you've got a hundred of them together. Mm. And uh, that, that scale up can be done uh, very rapidly as well. You know, almost as rapidly as just scaling some stateless application logic, like the thing that runs your shopping cart. This is the thing that stores the, the items in your shopping cart and keeps track of all of your inventory and keeps track of all the orders and so forth. So right. all of these things can be scaled and the public cloud makes that scaling almost frictionless in terms of time and um, and cost as well. Because this is another really important point. These old patterns where you had to scale up is very expensive you, you, you think that you need 10x the capacity, 10x the shoppers, 10x the things being bought. That doesn't necessarily in the old regime translate to 10 times the cost. It could translate to 100 times the cost and a huge amount of time to make it happen uh, because right. scale-ups are very expensive. Whereas if you're just scaling out is what they call it, you're adding additional nodes to your system. Uh, you're only paying for those additional nodes, which actually don't even cost as much as the nodes you already have, right? As you get more scale, you get discounts. So it's actually a sublinear cost curve, which is very nice for businesses that are uh, anticipating a lot of growth or a uh, one of these impressive sale days. Right. So so let me ask you this. I mean, obviously, you know, retailers are aware of Black, Black Friday. They can prepare for it. They know that there are certain dates that people are going to be flooding their systems with with sales and things like that. But what about the one-off? And the example I think that that you guys had used the, before we got on the call was, uh, you know, something like uh, trying to get tickets to the Taylor Swift concert. You know, which who could have anticipated the the total amount of interest in that? And and boy, did they get caught off guard. So how how do you prepare for for that without? saying like, okay, well, I'm going to pay for, you know, X amount of extra capacity all the time, just in the, on the off chance that one event is going to blow up my system. So, so how, how do they handle things like that? It's a, it's a great question. And there's the, the answer that every business can implement. It depends. Yeah, well, well, I'll give you sort of uh, a basic <laughs> answer and an advanced answer. So the, the answer that's basic that every business could take the time and effort to implement without any significant changes is simply to realize that, yes, Taylor Swift's concert sellouts can happen. Right. Uh, and um, we ought to plan for them and test for them and have a, um, an, a, a sort of actionable plan to scale up the system. 
whatever that means based on the system. So there's things that you could um, decide in advance, like we want to have twice the capacity of the biggest event we've ever had, and we're going to spend the money to have that capacity in reserve. But if it goes to 10x, here's what we're going to do. We might be down for a little bit of time, but we're going to bring these resources online. We've done a dry run. We can actually make sure that we can do this in practice because we've done it. It'll be an emergency. We'll maybe have some downtime, but we'll get there and we will um, actually, you know, continue to sell the tickets uh, mm -hmm. to, to the, the, the correct, uh, I can't remember what the Taylor Swift um, group of, um, you know, the in-group was that was supposed to be able to have the tickets. But, right. uh, the, the, the more advanced mechanism is actually to use some of the innovation that's more recently available in the cloud. And this usually goes by the, the name of serverless. And in this mode, you don't have to pay for the extra capacity uh, in order to absorb like sort of your worst conception of a black swan event that might come up. And, and so really what you're doing with these services is the way to imagine it is you're pulling from this larger pool whatever you need at any given moment. So this might be the case I mentioned before, like your, your shopping cart or whatever. This is the, the application business logic that um, you know, displays the, the values, uh, the, the contents of your shopping cart, maybe your past order histories, that sort of thing. It's drawing on a database in the back end. But in that case, typically what serverless means is that every time someone accesses a page on your site or clicks a, to a new screen on your mobile app, uh, it is actually accessing business logic uh, uh, by calling a simple little function. And that function is being run by a cloud provider, let's say, or some third-party vendor in the cloud uh, on as many machines as it needs to to satisfy all the requests that come in. You might have one request every minute, a very, very low-volume site, and then some crazy confluence of events creates massive increase in demand, and you might go to 100 of these that you need a second. I mean, that's no problem for these systems. It can spin up 100 a second without breaking a sweat. It can spin up 100,000 a second without you know, building up any kind of uh, difficulty. And you're just going to be charged for exactly what you're using. So that's actually really brilliant. And that same idea can be extended to the database. So you have uh, traditionally a very sort of um, siloed, sequestered uh, set of resources for every database that uh, might back one of your use cases. Right. Uh, certainly, um, you would have your own database and that wouldn't be in any way, shape, or form shared with any other company's database, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. in, in, the, in the modern cloud, with uh, services like AWS DynamoDB, uh, as well as uh, Cockroach has a serverless product as well, uh, what you're actually, the way to imagine it is there's this huge pool of database resources, and uh, you have a a separate um, sort of layer of compute that sits on top of that, that's isolated. But this big pool is what is pulled from on demand to satisfy whatever volume of requests are present from your users. So in, a, in an analogous fashion to where the application business logic can spin up 100,000 instances a second in order to handle that much load from your users, the database uh, in, that, that sits underneath that application is able to pull from this much greater pool and satisfy as many requests for your your data to read or write it, uh, you know, to recall it, and, and so forth. Like, how much inventory do you have? How many tickets? Which seats are open? That sort of thing. It can spend up the necessary resources to satisfy that a hundred thousand requests a second instead of one request a second or whatever it is. So those those kinds of technologies 
they're starting to be available at every layer of the stack. And so there is an opportunity now to build an entire service that has that on-demand capability. And as a, as a vendor, as a business, that actually gives you this amazing opportunity to really target not just your costs that exactly match the value your business or your product is, is providing, but also to plan for um, incredible, what they call bursty uh, utilization or load. So, uh, you know, it could be very, very low. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to reserve any capacity. And then it could be many orders of magnitude higher, you know, 100,000 times higher or something like that. And uh, you actually can meet that demand uh, as just a matter of course. That's just the way your architecture works. Mm-hmm. So I hope that kind of sheds a little bit of light on how these technological innovations can really change the the nature of, of a the sort of technical underpinnings of, of these uh, business use cases. Sure. And of course, each use, use case is uh, unique. For instance, you know, retailers are always told, you know, if, if there's a two second latency that people are going to bail and go shop somewhere else. But if you want to get Taylor Swift tickets, there's really no other place to go. And what we're left with is a company whose reputation got hurt by all the images of teenage girls crying their eyes out because they couldn't get tickets to Taylor Swift. So that probably uh, you know, hurt them as much as, as anything. But again, as there are, that's not really too much competition in that space. So they probably didn't get hurt too badly. But in the last couple of minutes that we have, uh, tell me a little bit about Cockroach and, and what you guys are working on now and, and, uh, and like that. Yeah, I mean, let me take a step back. Just it helps to sort of define what Cockroach is. Uh, we didn't quite cover that. We're, what we are is it's called a, an operational database is the right first sort of layer to think about. That means that we are the database that um, is kind of providing recall of the, the state of things and um, also accepting any kind of um, changes to the state of things. So think about if you have um, you're managing inventory uh, or you are managing someone's bank account or something like that. When you go to the ATM and you put your card in, you want to see your balance, you want that to be accurate. And then if you withdraw something or you do a transfer, you want that to be immediately reflected and certainly very, very accurate. That, that's what an operational database does. And by the way, like every use case in the world has an operational database sitting behind it. So that's what Cockroach is. We're an operational database. But more specifically, we're what's called a relational database. And you talk to relational databases with a protocol called uh, SQL, mm-hmm. SQL. Sure. And that's, that's been around for a long time. It's uh, fairly sophisticated. It has a lot of sort of theoretically correct underpinnings. And it's the most popular. Isn't that 80s technology? I think it's 70s technology. <laughs> Pretty old. <laughs> And not actually, in, in the case of SQL, it, it's quite interesting. There just hasn't been anything better. Yeah. Uh, and it, that's really withstood the test of time. Now, people have come up with all kinds of other ideas besides SQL, uh, including uh, graph databases, document databases. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's um, object-oriented databases. Those didn't last very long. Uh, right. But Cockroach is a SQL database. And that is, by the way, the very, very common for the kinds of businesses that Cockroach is favored by, and 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 that's that's the other part of what I would um, rely on to describe w- what cockroach is. The way we describe ourselves is we're for mission critical use cases for the world's most important businesses. So that means 
the kinds of things that uh, you don't go through a day without using. And if they weren't available for some reason, there'd be major fallout, right? It would be on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Um, there would be a lot more than teenage girls crying uh, <laughs> about the loss of tickets. <laughs> you, you wouldn't right. be able to get to your bank account. Yeah, uh, it would be uh, old rich men crying. <laughs> certainly a lot of those, yes. Uh, and yeah, so in order to, to really under, under uh, provide the foundation for those kinds of use cases, resilience is just critical. Right? You, you have to have business continuity. And there's, there's lots of innovations in Cockroach that, uh, that aim to provide that kind of resilience. And by the way, that's where the name comes from, right? You might, you might wonder why uh, you'd name anything CockroachDB. Uh, it's a difficult thing to explain when you're in front of a CIO. But once people understand it, they get it, including you know, your grandmother, because cockroaches are very difficult to kill. They are the, you know, supposed to be the last things that are gonna be left alive after nuclear war. Uh, and, and that's what we aim to do, right? Like the business continuity is incredibly important. And some of the ways we do that is we're of course replicating the data and we replicated outside of uh, a single machine, which is sort of the old model we were talking about before. So you, you, you replicate it to multiple nodes in this larger database system, but you also replicate it to machines that are in different data centers that have different power, right? that have different fiber optic networking. Uh, you can actually replicate the data across regions. So even if the entire East Coast, the United States loses data, which would take out many, many businesses that we rely on, the ones that are using Cockroach across regions, so between the West Coast and Central and East Coast, they would just potentially have slightly higher latency, not as high as the Taylor Swift band, by the way, but you know, <laughs> we're talking about from you know 10 milliseconds to 35 or 40 milliseconds. So, yeah. uh, and you not know, it, right, it's, a, it's what you call like a, um, a graceful degradation in quality. Like your system doesn't go away, it might get a little bit slower, but you just lost the entire East Coast, right? That's a, that's a pretty good business continuity story. And there's even opportunities with Cockroach for example, to spread the data across multiple cloud vendors. Okay. So if AWS has a big problem, let's say with the DNS misconfiguration and it goes down effectively, you're not just on AWS. Your, your application is now running across GCP and Azure successfully while AWS um, finds the problem and fixes it. So those are all things that are extremely appealing to the high end of the database market. And that's where Cockroach is, is situated. Great. Well, I'm afraid I'm going to have to uh, gracefully degrade this conversation uh, because we're right up against time. Uh, Spencer Kimball, CEO of Cockroach Labs, thanks so much for being with us here today and talking about this. Appreciate it. My pleasure, David. Thank you. Okay. And I'd like to thank all our listeners for being with us once again. And uh, again, uh, I'm Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of IT Ops Times. So long for now. 